ahead and have a seat. And uh, if you forgot to get communion elements, then don't get too settled in, because we want to actually invite you to do that now. Uh, if you didn't get the communion elements when you came in, we actually have them in the four corners of the room. There's tables. I knew. We want to give you a chance. There's always some folks that say, oh, I want to do that. And while you're doing that, we'll invite uh, Ash and Heather Holloman to come up and join me here on the platform, because they're going to help me with the message today. And uh, we already got to do this in the first service, and it was such a blessing. It was so cool to, to hear sort of what God's been doing in some different places, and really, as we are encouraged in the way that God is changing his world, and he uses people to do that, and he's using you to do that, and we're hearing stories even now of the ways in which God is at work and stirring among you, and we're excited to be a part of a church that is desiring by God's grace to, uh, to change the world. So one of the themes that we've been kind of landing on in this sermon series has been from Zechariah, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And we've talked about how it's the spirit that brings life to the church. We don't have life in the church without the spirit of God. The spirit of God brings opportunity. Uh, and it's the spirit of God that brings change so that we're not just trying on our own strength. That would be very futile, right? If we were trying on our own strength to make a, 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 an eternal change in the world, we wouldn't be able to do it. But empowered by the Spirit, we are the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, living out the ministry of God's restoration in a broken world. And so those themes have kind of run through the first few messages that we've done uh, in this series, and that's kind of what brings us up to today. Uh, so today, I actually want to start in Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there, and we're going to really key in in the content of our message, and I've asked Ash and Heather if they would help us to do this, uh, specifically on verse 47. But to give you a little snapshot, we looked at this just to, as a preview last week, uh, just hear these verses of what an exciting time God was, was taking his early church through as the Spirit of God was poured out and, and ministry is happening. This is what it says about that early church in verse 42 of Acts 2 and following. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So may God add blessing to his word here. What an, what an powerful passage. Each one of those elements, I think, deserving of probably many sermons to really think about what God was doing in that season. But what we have been chewing on, and the, the question first actually came from Aidan uh, Wirtz, who's our outreach pastor and was helping put together some pieces for this. And he said, what does this mean, enjoying the favor of all the people? Like, we don't really, we've never preached on that. And we were talking about We've never heard people preach on that, so what does that actually mean? So we actually want to take a little stab at that specific part today. What does it mean to enjoy the favor of all the people? Uh, now, in the context of making an impact on our world, we know that throughout biblical history and throughout the history of the world, God uses people to change the world. So he uses people to carry the gospel message. He, he puts a call on people's lives, 
ordinary people like you and me and says, filled with the Spirit, you're going to get out there and make a difference. So we know that he uses people. We know that's important. But we also know that most of us feel a certain level of just, I feel ill-equipped you know, to, to share my faith. I, I don't know if I have the boldness. I don't have the, the right words. I don't have to have the right connections. Raise your hand if at one point in your Christian journey you felt ill-equipped just to let us know we're not alone here. Okay, I'm not the only one. Every one of us has felt ill-equipped. And so our heart in this series is not to just say, well, we hope God does something. God is gonna do something. God is already doing things, but we don't want to get you to that opportunity and say, well, now I have this opportunity, but I have no idea. So today, the heart is we want to give you some tools and, and allow God to use you. And so in that spirit, I asked Ash and Heather if they would join me up here. So let us convert this to a nice little living room setting. Can, we, can you join me in the living room? We're gonna, I'm going to sit down today. I even got coffee. This is going to be super comfortable. I might take a nap while you're talking, but because uh, I heard such good stuff in the first time. It was awesome. If, if you don't know Ash and Heather, uh, first of all, get to know them. They're awesome, wonderful, part of our community and our church right here. Um, Ash and Heather are leaders in our church. Ash has served on our elder board for a handful of years now. Um, they're also on staff with Crew, and Heather just recently was a keynote speaker for the entire Crew assembly. That's like 5,000 people or something. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's a huge deal. That's awesome. So, so what, a, what a privilege to have people that are, you know, making national impact, you know, just part of our church and serving along with us. So we asked if they would come. Uh, and they're also authors. So we've highlighted their book before, uh, Sent. Uh, Heather has just recently finished another book called Connections. Six, no, Conversations. I was, I was six conversations. And we're going to highlight that a little bit in our conversation. And I thought, who better to help us sort of unpack this. So let's give them a little welcome. Are you, you're not nervous, right? It, like, yeah, like among friends, yeah, this is all good, you know, and people here, and uh, it's, uh, it's good to, to be with you. But I want to actually start with you, Ash. If you could talk to us a little bit about kind of this question of like, what do you hear when you hear like having favor with all the people? Like what, what's your journey been with that particular thing? So yeah. kick us off. Sure, sure. Thanks, Pastor Aaron. Um, yeah. Well, I didn't always embrace, believe this idea. Yeah. Um, Is that mic on? Sure on. Hey, let me see a second. I, I turned it on, but I might need to unmute it or something. No, I think it's, it's good. Oh, yeah. There we go. Perfect. Awesome. So, yeah, let me say that again. I, I didn't always really embrace this idea of, like, this could go well. Yeah. You know, God <laughs> could give us, you know. <laughs> you know, I actually, for a lot of time, I just thought of sharing my faith, like, going to the dentist. Like, well, you know, it's who wants to go? Um, right. I probably, sh I mean, it's good. I probably should do it every six months. Um, it's probably going to be painful and, um, and probably, I'm, I'm probably going to have a cavity. So that's, yeah, you know, it's, right. there's, there's nothing really good about this except people say I should do it. Right. Um, but then God got a hold of my heart and began to really help me rethink, like, why would I be hopeful and expectant, maybe not guaranteed every time, but expectant for God to move in my midst. And I began to think about kind of where we are in God's you know, overall history of the world, the redemptive history of, of what's happening in the world. And I know we take it for granted, I take it for granted all the time, but the reality is Jesus has come. Yeah, preach. Jesus, you know, Jesus has come and he has done everything that we need um, for salvation and for life. He's already conquered sin and the grave. Um, and, you know, and it could be, just as a kind of a thought, thought, thought uh, exercise, it, it could be that we would be on the other side 
of the cross mm -hmm. this morning. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't be gathering if that were the case. Imagine if Jesus had not come yet. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be gathering. I'm not sure what we'd be doing. Um, if we were Jewish, we'd have some hope or sense that God was going to do something someday. Mm -hmm. And would it be my generation or the next generation? I don't know. But Paul says for, for those who aren't Jewish, probably most of us in this room, we'd be outside of that even sense of expectation mm -hmm. that yeah. we'd be without hope and without God in the world. Mm -hmm. But that is not where we are. Yeah. We are not there. Jesus has come. He has conquered sin in the grave. And he's done all the heavy lifting. He, all that's left is for us, those who know him, to share with others what he's done and then believe that God's spirit will awaken their soul yeah. to believe it. Yeah. And before I go on, go on, let me just pause and say, if someone is, for those who are here, whether in person or watching online, and you're still trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out, and you're wondering, I, I, I just don't know what I think. I wouldn't call myself a follower yet. I'm just mm -hmm. still trying to figure this out. I want you to know Jesus has come. Mm -hmm. And he sees you, and he is for you, mm -hmm. and he sees your needs. He understands the good, the bad, and the ugly of all of our lives. Um, and he knows the deepest longings of your heart, and he is here to meet them. Yeah. And your long, arduous search for someone to meet those needs, whether it's been within yourself or things outside of yourself, today can be over because hmm. it's found in Jesus yeah, and he's awesome. here. And so um, I'll just maybe just end with a little quick analogy uh, that's helped me is this idea of the grocery store. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we live in America, so this is not true everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it certainly, I would say, was true before COVID. Maybe it's not true today. They're out of pasta at Wegman, so this yeah. is not true today. But, yeah. um, you know, I never walked into the grocery store just like dumbstruck, like, oh my gosh, there's food here. Yeah. I mean, how do they do this? Hmm. I mean, because that's what grocery stores do. They sell food. And increasingly, I want to walk into people's lives still amazed, because God is always amazing, but expectant that he's going to work powerfully in their life yeah. because that is what God does. Hmm. And so it's not a guarantee that I'll have favor every opportunity, but I want to increasingly have faith that I probably underestimate just how much favor God wants to show us. Yeah, yeah. God's working. He's like working. This is what God he's doing. Yeah. We get to be a part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I love that. And I actually love that sort of invitation. We're only like five minutes into the message. We're already saying, hey, look, think about Jesus, right? But the, the fact of the matter is that there are many people that are here that would identify themselves as Christ followers. They're walking with Jesus, but then there's other people here or listening that would say, I don't really know what I think about Jesus. I actually love that. I think that's actually how we become effective as a church because we're not just, you know, insulated in our own way. Sure. So thanks for that good word, for sure. Heather, can you kind of weigh in on this a little bit? Uh, favor with others? How does that strike you? Yes, I um, was really struck several years ago by just this idea that you've got these core principles of how to live your life, that God's always at work to draw people to himself. I was amazed in scripture that he uses people to lead other people to Jesus and that he's continually inviting us into this work. And I love it when Jesus says to the disciples, follow me and I will 
send you out to fish for people. And as I thought about like finding favor with people, I just said, okay, God, please, you know, grant me favor with this person. And, you know, just recently this year, and I have permission to share these stories because we talk about people in our community. I have an atheist colleague and you would think I wouldn't have favor with her. She likes to talk about atheism and kind of debunk Christianity. But in our conversation, she's just really loved to talk about Jesus. And she says, you know, will you come back by my office? I wanna talk more, I love talking with you. And then most recently, she told me that she is now in a Bible study to learn more about God. So God really impressed this on me though several years ago when I was just walking with a neighbor and um, I asked her, she she was someone moving in the Hindu tradition and I just asked her, you know, you know I'm a Christian, what does your tradition say about Jesus? And I was scared, you know, what would she think about me? Would this be the end of our friendship? And Um, So I asked her, I said, you know, does it bother you that I talk so much about Jesus? And I'll never forget what she said. She had, you know, tears in her eyes and she said, no, I would like to hear everything you have to say about him. Well, as I asked her that question, you know, what does your tradition say about Jesus? She began to explore Christianity and she became a Christian Mm -hmm. and led her husband and two children to the Lord and now has a great ministry in our community. So I never thought again about not moving into people's lives with favor after those two experiences. Yeah, so you guys are sort of expecting God to, you know, he's got your back, you know, he's got some awesome opportunities. That's really cool. Ash, can we go back to you and can you just talk a little bit about like, that, that notion of cultivating favor. I know you've yeah. shared things that have been, I think, impactful on that before. Yeah, I think one thing we can do, um, maybe it's easier said than done, but we can just move towards our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members with love and care. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, an idea of um, possessing, developing, creating, cultivating uh, social capital. Yeah, I like that phrase. Unpack yeah. that for us a little bit. Yeah, so, social capital. So it's, it's, I think it's a technical term. I'm not an expert on it, but I th- I th- it's basically this idea that you have a, re- if you have social capital, you've got a, the reputation among those around you that you have the resources that they need when they're in trouble. And they know about you that you want to move those resources in their direction. Mm-hmm. You care about them. Not only do you have them, but you're predisposed to mobilize them towards your friends. Mm-hmm. And so I'll give you an example, a couple, a couple examples. You'll get it right off the bat. So like a natural disaster happens. You, won't, you don't have to shout it out, but who are the first two or three people or groups that come to mind that you know are going to be on the ground yeah. if a natural disaster happens, right? Red Cross, FEMA, FEMA mm-hmm. Salvation Army, things. You just, I mean, we just know it. They have social capital. They know when the, when, when the natural disaster mm-hmm. hits, they're going to be there within a day. Yeah. But that can extend to us individually as well. And so we probably all do this. When we have needs, when we have, and, and our neighbors do it as well, we kind of know who are the first one or two people I'm going to call, right? If they're on your short list, those people have social capital mm-hmm. for you. How great would it be if we could be those people for our neighbors, for our friends, for our coworkers? Like, this is happening. I've got to call this person right away because yeah. I know they're going to care for me. Yeah. So we've been trying to cultivate that in our neighborhood um, and not just like cultivating relationships one-on-one with us and our neighbors, but also among our neighbors, mm-hmm. that they would 
depend on one another, that we would live in a world where these kind of things happen on our street. And we get to team up with the Russells, and we love, love, love doing that. If you guys haven't met them, shout out to they them. Have social capital. Yeah, yeah, get to know them. Makes the best turkey pot pie when you're sick. Yes, yes. Noted. Just get sick. It's great. Um, and so. Um, get sick and move in. Good. So. When COVID happened, we wanted to kind of pursue this idea, and we knew that we're all gonna be locked up in our homes, so how can we continue connecting? So we just, we, we created a Facebook group just for our street and invited everyone to it and said, this is gonna be a place for us to encourage one another and to care for one another, you know, go to the grocery store if you're sick, that kind of thing. And um, we do birthdays and celebrate birthdays mm -hmm. every one time someone has a birthday. Um, be sure to see them and say hello. But we also did this, started doing these meal trains. And so we had three young families have new kids over the last couple of years. And for six weeks, because our neighbors bought in, those new families didn't have to make meals uh, because our whole street signed up and got on board with mm -hmm. it. It was really beautiful and cool to see. And then it kind of came back around. Mm -hmm. um, when we got sick a few, few weeks ago with COVID, um, it was within a day one of our neighbors said, hey, let's start this meal train for the Holomans. They're really in need. And I think part of it was, you know, they wanted to kind of pay back. But I think the bigger part was God had helped us create a street where people were like, this is the kind of world I want to live in, hmm. where we see each other and we care for each other. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. And I'm glad you guys are feeling better too. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're doing great. Yes. So yeah. yeah. So we were actually going to. We're this. also six feet away. So we, we were going to. We were going to so. do this a week ago, but then it was like, uh, just get, stay home and get yeah. better, and let your neighbors love on you for a little while, and so that's good. Um, so one of the things that we talk about in the church a lot is sort of the bridge between gospel demonstration and gospel declaration, right? Yeah. And, and I think this is a really important piece of, like what you're talking about feels to me like a really important piece because if we ignore like the declaration of the gospel, then we're just, we're just trying to be nice people. Nothing wrong with being nice people, but it doesn't create eternal change. And if all we're trying to do is preach, sometimes we're doing that without that relational capital and the social capital you talked about. So can you talk a little bit about sort of like how have you seen the bridging of that relational aspect and then like being able to actually message what it is that we believe and who we are as Christ followers? Yeah, I think what happens is that it sets the stage for the gospel proclamation or the gospel conversations because it gives your, the person you're talking to the best chance possible to believe the best about you. Mm. And so when I'm talking with, with our neighbor, you know, he's thinking, hopefully, probably, you know, I think Ashley likes me. I think he's for me. Yeah. I think yeah. he cares about me. Yeah. Um, I think he cares about what I have to say. And we probably won't agree, but I'm pretty sure we're going to still be friends. Mm -hmm. That's a very different, like, communication climate than, uh-oh, here comes Holloman. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> oh, gosh, he doesn't like me. He's going to debate me. He won't even ask me what I think, much less yeah. care about it. Mm -hmm. um, he's just going <laughs> to shove his ideas down his, my throat, and yet another chance for him to be right yeah. and for me to be wrong. Yeah. That, that, that's just like, might as well not even start. That's yeah. just a bad place to start having a conversation. And, um, and so I saw that in action with one of our neighbors, yeah. um, and I asked his permission to share this, and he said it was fine. I won't give the details, but we've been in multiple three-hour-long conversations. Mm -hmm. Otto's Wings are a great place for, for conversations. And, um, and we really have, there's been a lot of mutual admiration and respect and love and very little, like, agreement on anything. <laughs> right. Um, and so, we were, but we're having a warm, loving, caring conversation that's also a real and honest 
conversation. And so just fast forward to the last time we met, um, we were kind of winding up and we were both saying to each other, you know, we really like this, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm not sure if we're ever gonna agree. Um, and he says, but you know, I want you to know that, you know, I really admire you, respect you, we're good friends. I, you know, I expect that we'll stay that way. And I was saying the same things back to him. Yeah. And then I said to him, because I felt like we had the kind of permission to say so, I said, but I just want you to know my deepest heart's desire is for you to know Jesus the same way I do. Hmm. Um, and he, and he kind of leaned back and he kind of chuckled, didn't catch him off guard at all. And he kind of gave me this look. He didn't say it, but kind of gave me this look in his eye like, you know, give me your best shot. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so bring it on. Yeah. So that's, that's fun. We can have those kind of conversations yeah. Um, yeah. and still be great friends. I, I love that kind of relational capital. So what I hear in that too, if I could, say, if I could just preach for a second, just preach. give me a sec. When we talk about like 1 Peter 3.15, like be prepared to, to give a reason for the hope that you have. That's what you're talking about. Like you're prepared to do that, but that do so with gentleness and respect. Like I'm hearing a lot of like, love and encouragement and listening and all of those people that I think that's kind of living that out in a really cool way. So that's awesome. Thanks for, thank, thanks for helping us see that, you know, and I think a, a real, very real way. Um, Heather, can you talk to us a little bit about, you've done a lot of research in this area with your work and everything else. Tell me a little bit about the research that you've done and the stuff that you found there. Well, as Ash and I wrote the book on living a sent life and we were really excited about evangelism training, we found that a lot of the feedback we got was people love to share their faith, but they were asking questions like, can you go back and help us learn how to have better conversations in general? Um, and I really thought about that because in many ways, the culture's kind of lost the art of conversation and how to make yeah. warm connections with yeah. people. Pause for one second. Yes. So, I mean, just to reiterate what you're saying, you're talking about sharing faith, but yes. people are saying, we don't really know how to have yeah. conversations, conversations, which is general. actually probably very <laughs> yes. aware because I think yes. that the people are probably right. Yeah, you know? people so. feel disconnected and lonely. And what yeah. was happening on campus is I was reading about the epidemic of loneliness and you know, yeah. that's been declared in several countries. They've appointed ministers of loneliness. And I was also reading research yeah. like the Harvard Grant Study, which is the longest research study ever conducted. It's going into its 83rd year. And it's trying to answer the question, what's the single most determining factor of a happy life? And it's warm and loving connections with people. So I was sharing this with my students and they would say things like, well, how do we get those? How do we get warm and loving connections? And then at that time, I also received an email. I think faculty received it, but you may have as well. It was the report on our own state of Pennsylvania and the diseases of despair in our state. Mm -hmm. So things like um, alcohol addiction, abuse of drugs, suicidal ideation, they're looking at diseases of despair wow. and they're linking them to one thing, lack of social connection. So I'm reading these things and I was like, I have got to do something. I need to start researching how to help my students and other people learn to have better conversations if it's so vital, not just for evangelism, but just to live a good, you know, have a good yeah. life. Yeah. So that's what started my research. So you did a lot of research. Yeah. What did you find? Okay, this is what I found. And yeah. I put some slides together because, you know, I'm a professor. Why not have right. a PowerPoint? But um, I, what I learned was as I, as I investigated all the social science research available, this is what people say in the, in the research world, but you're going to find that everything I tell you was already taught to us hmm. in the Bible, which is so beautiful. So to have a warm and loving connection with someone, you'd always need to do four things in a conversation. You have to be curious, 
mean, meaning you have to ask questions about people's lives. You have to be curious about them. You have to believe the best about them. And a lot of us are really bad at that, myself included. So when you talk to someone, the culture's more suspicious, we're judgmental, we're worried about people's political positions, things like that. But if you believe the best, you're really showing them the, you know, the unconditional favor of God. You're just saying, I'm choosing to believe the best about you. Expressing concern, um, this really challenged me because the research of what it means to be concerned about another person. Um, I was looking at people saying, you know, do you, in your family or in your community, if you look at a person, do you know what keeps them up at night? What are their major stressors? What are their upcoming decisions? And I thought, I don't really know that. I don't even know that about my across the street neighbor. I gotta go ask her what is keeping her up at night. And then the last one is sharing your life. And a lot of us are private. We don't like to be vulnerable, but the research is, really clear when you share your life with people, you're gonna have that warm connection. So as a Christian, you know, I can read all the research I wanted, but I was like, you know, what is Jesus teaching us about warm connections and how does he behave in the gospels in particular? Well, I found four passages of scripture that God has really used in my life this year about how to connect in loving ways with people. And the first and most powerful is just Philippians, where in Philippians 2, Paul really talks about showing people honor, esteeming them above yourselves and taking an interest in them, taking on the interest of other people. How do you know what they are unless you ask them? That was kind of challenging to me. And then Romans 12 really talks about outdoing one another and showing honor to other people. And have I been doing that in my family and in my neighborhood? Galatians talks about bearing each other's burdens. And so I've kind of changed the way I talk to people. I ask them, you know, how can I be a supportive listener to you? What are you going through to really carry the burdens of others? And First Thessalonians is um, the beauty of just sharing your life. Paul says he was delighted to not only share the gospel with people, but yeah. his, their lives as well. Yeah. So those are kind of, that's kind of the theology of what God's been doing in my heart about how I connect with other people. Yeah, I love that too, because I suspect that there's probably some people here who love Jesus yes. and love the idea of evangelism and want to share their faith and everything, but um, could look at that first list and say, feel cynical about it. You know, like, yeah. we have it is okay, like psychology today says this, but is that what scripture shows? Yeah. And I think the fact that you're actually finding that it's, it's in reverse, that like modern... We already know this. Yeah, yeah. Like, like modern voices are saying what scripture has already told us, which yes. is like these kind of things are important and certainly important in evangelism. Uh, I'm curious about this. So not getting stuck in conversations. Yes. I know that's been part of your, and you're a, you're a easy converser. Like yes. you like to talk. I love that you guys are sort of extrovert, introvert. Yes. So for all of us who are like, I could never be a Heather Holloman, uh, you could be an Ash Holloman. Or if you could say, well, if I can never be an Ash Holloman, maybe you're wired more like Heather. I love how you guys are sort of a complete package like that, which is awesome. But not getting stuck in conversations. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Six, yes. Six, I uh, got really pieces. excited about this because um, it was actually Actually, Ashley's ideas, I was thinking of, okay, how do, we, how do I get better at having conversations? And he was helping me really see that when you're looking at another person, a human person, there are six dimensions to that person. There are six pathways that you can go down to have a conversation with them rooted in the six dimensions of being human. So every person you see, they're social. You can ask them, who are you hanging out with? People love to talk about their friends. Yeah. They're emotional. You know, what, if, what, are you, what have you been feeling lately? 
they're physical. We, and people love actually to talk about their bodies. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? How are you sleeping? They like talking about physical spaces. People like talking about their homes, their gardens. Cognitive. I love it when people ask me, what are you thinking about? You'll never get stuck in a conversation if you're like, oh, tell me what you're thinking about that. Um, Volitional is an underexplored category. It's that all of us make choices. We're volitional. We have decisions we're making. And it's a real blessing to people to ask them, hey, do you have any upcoming decisions that you're making? Or asking in the past, how did you make that decision? Mm -hmm. And then the spiritual is my favorite category, and that's what I hope all of the questions will lead to. But if you look at the Gospels, Jesus asked questions in every category of what it means to be human. And um, it's really easy. In fact, I was joking with Aaron how easy it is to model it, because if you ask any question in one of the six categories, you have endless permutations of where you can go next based on the six categories. So when I saw Aaron, I hadn't seen him for a while. So I said, Pastor Aaron, I haven't seen you for a while. I decided to go social. Bring it on. Let's talk about me. Well, let me tell you, if you have grandkids or young people in your home (laughs) or teenagers, I know my my teen daughters, although Sarah's an adult now, but um, if you're talking to younger people, they love to talk about their friends. Mm -hmm. One of the best questions to lead with is who have you been hanging out with lately? And Mm -hmm. you usually can get a response. So I saw Pastor Aaron and I said, I haven't seen you for a while. Who have you been hanging out with? Yeah. So I was thinking about like, uh, we recently went to Hershey Park. Ooh, okay, yeah, now, yeah. I have six choices. Where am I gonna go next? Yeah, yeah. This is what I wanted to know. Hershey Park, what did you do there? Did you ride the roller coasters? I'm gonna go physical yeah. because I'm old and I cannot go on roller coasters. Something happened to me in my 40s. I get nauseous, I can't do it. Yeah. And I get kidney stones, true story. From roller zero coasters? Zero gravity, if you go on, if, I'll tell you later. It's just, they're <laughs> linking kidney stones to people See, who've now I have questions. Now yeah. I, like, yeah, so okay. I want to know. I've I got really so many questions. Like, that was not what? rehearsed, by the How? way. Weird. Okay, so how did it yeah. go? Did you go on it the roller coasters? awesome. And I, yes, I love roller coasters. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Now, I could do, what I, I could do volitional because why Hershey Park? Mm. Uh, why did you guys choose to go to Hershey Park? You could have done Del Grosso's. You could have driven yeah. to Disney World. My wife is an awesome planner and got us good tickets to Hershey Park Ooh. several months ago. And we got to pair up and go with the men's in case you were going to ask a social Oh yeah, question. who were you? Yeah, yeah. we got yeah. to go with Dan and Nicole and their kids, which was really fun. It can go on and on. Yeah. And, and then what I love about... Um, and I didn't get to say this in the first service, like if you're like, okay, well, what's the whole point? Are you just gonna ask endless questions and then share your life? Scripture does teach that when you're in conversation, always be thinking of three things. How can I encourage this person? How can I help them achieve their goals? And how can I help us marvel? And I loved exploring that mm. kind of like what you do in conversation. So yeah. I just want to encourage you. Thank you. You made a good choice going to know. Yeah. I don't know. However you when want to I, do it. Well, and I was yeah. contemplating my mortality yes. <laughs> yes. on roller coasters. Yeah, yes. so. so you'll never get um, stuck in conversation again. And it's joyful to just try to ask fun yeah. questions and figure out what people like to talk about. Yeah, that is really awesome. So can, can you guys give us a little bit of, I, I love this, first of all, I, th- I think, you know, my heart again is that as a church family, like we have spheres of influence, right? And so like we don't want to be stepping into a divine appointment or a Holy Spirit opportunity and not have thought through, you know, what does it actually mean to engage with people or how do we build those relationships? So thank you for that. Can you give us just a couple of practical pieces? Um, this, is, this is helpful. Ash, maybe you could kick us off. What are some practical sure. things we could do? Someone who leaves here saying, I'd, I'd like to do something, but I'm yeah. not quite sure where to start. Okay. And this is on, right? It's it is. Yeah. Okay. You're good. Right. Um, 
I, I think just real simply, um, ask God, who do you have for me to reach out to? Are there four or five people that you want to put on my heart that don't know you yet that I can start moving towards with love and care? So just this afternoon, ask God, are there, who, who are four or five coworkers or family members or neighbors or friends? And then write those names down and just begin praying for them. You could just start there. And then um, if you wanted to take one more step, and again, it's sort of like, you know, you never start, well, I never learned this, but don't start running by running an hour. You know, that, right. doesn't, that doesn't actually work. You right. need to start like five minutes. Baby steps. Um, and so just baby steps. So mm -hmm. just take one of those five and think, what could I do this week to move towards them with love and care? Is it a handwritten note of something that you admire about them or something they did recently, or maybe to bring it into the 21st century, could you drop them a text or something, you know, about something that, you, you know, that you've noticed? Or take them to coffee, just something, just start somewhere. Mm -hmm. That would be the one thing. Yeah. And then there's other resources we have in the church and in the community uh, yeah. to plug into, so Front Yard Mission. Uh, that's like something that the Russells and I are gonna, we're gonna work, Heather and I are, are, are gonna probably jump into, is, and there's incredible resources and opportunities and ideas of, well, what would I do in my neighborhood? Yeah. It's out there. Yeah. We don't right. have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. So Front Yard Mission could be one. And then uh, Pastor Seth already mentioned this this morning, but we have something coming up in September, the food pack, September yeah. 16th, 17th, mm -hmm. right? Seven, yep. um, Find those five people and pull, pull, pull a team together and go serve together. Do something significant together. Yeah. And you'll be surprised that when you do something significant together, that can lead to other significant things that you do together, including having really significant conversations. Yeah. It's just a gateway, uh, just an entry point yeah. for, for deeper connection. Yeah, that idea of serving together is really powerful. We've seen that with our neighbors as well to just say, hey, well, there's a need and we're going to kind of pull together. And so that really draws people in. And it's, and it's fun. Like, yeah. we actually enjoy it. And in fact, we brought neighbors to do the, the food pack last time we did it a while ago. So yeah, cool. we hope to do that again. Great yeah, suggestions. Yeah. Heather, thoughts, practical yes. thoughts that you have okay. for us. I'm going to leave you with, of all the books I read and all the research I read, my two best tips on asking questions. This may change your life forever. You know how I'm a grammar professor. Well, it is true that the brain does not like weak verbs. Mm. So if you say to someone, how was your day or how was work? Um, people don't like those questions because the brain doesn't know what to do with the weak verb. But if you use a verb like surprise, hey, what surprised you about your work day? I promise you your spouse will answer that question. Or if you say, um, what, what surprised you most about your summer? You'll get much more of a conversation than if you say, how was your summer? The other thing I learned that was so beautiful, and I now use it with every person I talk to, is people like numbers. They love a scale of one to 10, it, especially for introverted people who don't love emotional conversations. If you say to someone, um, on a scale of one to 10, you know, tell me how good your summer was. And whatever they say, so say they say seven, the next question's gonna be so awesome. This is what you say. What would have had to happen to make it a 10? You will learn more about your children, your spouse, your friends, and they're gonna say something that probably you never learned. So I love asking people that about anything. Like mm -hmm. I asked Pastor Aaron that and I learned a lot about him last yeah, week. So those are my two best that's tips. That's true. And I also think if you ask them about their summer and they say they had a 10, Yes. Then just say, can I just then do summer wanna, with you? They're like, living their best life. They figured it out. Ask them so. all their tips. Yeah, yes. that's good. Do relational stuff that way. That's awesome. Uh, guys, thank you for your sharing. Thanks for what you're doing. You know, the way that you guys are on the front line of ministry and the way that you're kind of thinking through and helping us to think through, I think 
really important questions uh, and really helpful questions. We just want to say thanks for being a part of that. I want to just give a couple thoughts as we, as we kind of wrap this part up and get us ready for communion. So we have said through this series that the work of the Spirit is really what matters. So we're simply trying to put some tools in your box that the Holy Spirit could use as he opens up some divine opportunities. And so even as we come to communion, this could be a great opportunity for us to say, I'm, I'm thinking about those five people. I'm praying now for the Spirit's work um, in the name of, the, of Jesus and his broken body and shed blood. I'm praying for, for revival in those people's lives and see what kind of opportunities God might, might open. So that's, that's an awesome thing. Uh, a funny thing happened to me just recently. I was speaking with um, uh, a guy from the Wheaton uh, Billy Graham School of Evangelism in Wheaton, Illinois. And um, he was talking to me about some things that we're doing outreach-wise in this um, area. And he says, Aaron, I want to tell you about a, a book that I'm reading. Um, and, uh, and I think that the authors actually live in your region. And they were t- he was talking about this. He was talking about scent, you know. So he was excited about this and, and, and you guys. And I said, oh, well, I... I know them. They're actually helping me with a message here in a, a week or so. And uh, so it's kind of neat to see how the work that you're doing is making impacts in other places as well. So it really is a great resource. We're grateful for that. Your new book that's coming out in the fall, October. the Six Conversations one. So I think we have a slide on that. Um, that could be a really awesome opportunity when we think about like your community group. Some of you guys are in community groups and you would think like, we could actually do some of this together. We could yeah. go through this journey. It's just, it's a great tool that you could use for that. And I suspect Chad will probably be grateful for this, I think. Uh, when we talk about community groups, there might be some people that are here that would say, maybe I should start a community group and go through something like this. I mean, that, that is an option that you maybe already have three or four people in your life that you could go through this together. Because again, the relational piece is so important. So we're excited to see what God has for us. We want to ask God to help us as we're trying to change the world for his glory. And so thanks for helping us today and speaking into us. Uh, would you pray for us as we, uh, as we kind of wrap this part up? And Ash, I just ask you to just pray a blessing over us. And church, let's just receive that uh, today. Let's pray. God, we uh, come before you and we just acknowledge that every good gift comes from our Father above in heaven. God, our whole life is a gift. There's nothing we've done on our own. It's because of your mercy and your grace and your kindness and your strength and your gentleness in our life, including that we know you and that our lives have been rescued, our sin has been forgiven, and our life has been extended for eternity. And we're grateful. And God, we thank you that whether it was a few days ago or many, many years ago, someone spoke to us about you mm-hmm. and you gave them favor as they did. And that favor extended to us. And by your spirit, you enabled us to say yes to you. Mm -hmm. So God, thank you for the gift of salvation. And in in the way that they spoke to us, we get to speak to others. And so you've not only given us the ministry of salvation, but you've given us the gift, I mean, the the gift of salvation, you've given us the gift of the ministry of reconciliation. Thank you for that. And God, I pray that you would give us all that we need. We need you. We, we're empty vessels apart from you. We can't do this. Um, we'd be clanging cymbals without your love and without your spirit. And so God, would, where we need your spirit, would you, would you pour forth your spirit? Mm-hmm. Where we need others to come alongside us, would you provide them? Where we need greater faith, would you do that for us? Yeah. Where we need your favor, would you grant it? And would you allow us um, 
to have just the expectancy that you'll work in our midst and to see your, you work and the fruit um, come before our eyes. Mm-hmm. We thank you. We love you. Um, and we look to you. And as the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Amen.